Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another version of Bill uh, Roden on Sports. We're recording, uh, well, I don't know, taping live in Harlem, USA at Chocolat on the great Frederick Douglass Avenue. We're not going to go through that again. We went through a whole Frederick <laughs> Douglass thing last year, but I think you'd be happy. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, we're here with uh, uh, our co-host, great Jamal Murphy. Great, great to be here again with multiple legends this time. Yeah, multiple Usually legends. I'm just talking to one legend. Yeah. Yeah, the, the multiple legends. Yeah, the Baron of Frederick Douglass and the owner of Chocolate, Leon Ellis, is here. Leon? It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah. And uh, our, uh, our guest here for a second time on Bill Roden on Sports is uh, Walter Beach III. Walter Beach III uh, from uh, Pontiac. Pontiac, Pontiac, Pontiac Mission. Uh, <laughs> Walter, welcome to the show. No, thank you, Bill. And uh, it's a pleasure. It's also a pleasure to be here at Chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. That that'll, that'll cost you a drink. Actually, you were lucky because because Walter doesn't drink. Oh no, really? No. In fact, okay. which was again, uh, uh, Walter is here by the way with his wife, uh, Gail Boyd, the lovely Gail Boyd. Gail. We're Gail. not we're not we're not going to ask if Gail drinks. No, we know that, but no, 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 no. What I want to ask you is this, Gail. Did he give you that bottle of wine? Oh, oh no! Oh. oh, no, Walter! Walter! What? The bottle of wine. Remember the last time you were on our show? Yeah, you gave me a bottle of wine. Uh -huh. you got a, a, not any bottle of wine. Well, I gave it to my wife. No, she just asked, what bottle? She says, what bottle? It went so fast, she okay. forgot. All right. Well, yeah, she drinks it, so I don't <laughs> drink no wine. All right. Well, okay. Well, hey, listen. Um, hey, listen, a bottle of wine only has five glasses. It goes quickly. <laughs> but but it wasn't. But you know what the thing is? I mean, listen, we're here to talk about Muhammad Ali. Uh, obviously, he, he passed Friday, and we want to talk about Ali. But I want to. But back to the bottle of wine. I mean, because it was it was like you know it came from um, what's the defensive back. Uh, Charles Woodson. Right. Charles Charles Woodson. Oh, really? And, and the reason and the okay. reason uh, uh, Brian brought it, we thought you drank, is because Woodson, you know, is a cornerback, a retired cornerback for the Oakland Raiders, mm -hmm. but he is a serious wine maker. Really? Yeah, he's a serious. I he, didn't he, know he, that. That's what he does, and so he's on he, ESPN, I think. Yeah, but he but, right? he, but he does I know wine. He played last year. Yeah, just yeah. Retired. yeah, just retired. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it, but in, it, his, in his spare time, he's a it, wine, it, he has a winery. In really, Boston that's interesting. So, so Brian, in honor in honor of, of, of Walter, brought uh, a wine called Number Twenty One, and oh, it was yeah? like a hundred dollars a oh, bottle. Please have him send me a bottle. All right. Well, we'll I'll let you know it. what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so we gave it. So 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 we, that was going to be like the big deal, the big gift to Walter. So he breaks the news to us on the air. I don't drink. So I'm like, damn. He said, but before I could take it back, he said, well, but Gail, my wife, my wife drinks. Mm -hmm. So I thought today we'd have like a great critique on uh -huh. how good the wine uh -huh. is. But y'all, you know. She said she didn't get it, but y'all could drive. No, no. You can figure that out on the way home. <laughs> on what what, what it looks like gonna be a long out. drive home. <laughs> no, I, I have uh, never participated in any alcohol beverages. That's just my personal uh, my personal position. It's just I just don't drink. I don't have problems with it. We we'll forgive you for that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we are a chocolate. <laughs> don't breathe no, too. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that's something. Hershey's and candy and sweets. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's, let's do that here because that could go into a whole thing about how he got the name. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously Ali, Ali passed away uh, 
uh, on Friday, and for the last five days, the airways have been filled with tributes and recollections and all that, including for people who hated him back then, but now say they love him. But uh, I just like to, you know, I know, uh, Leon, you got to go, you got to take care of the restaurant, but just, just briefly, and Walter, again, you, you know, I just like to get everybody's quick take on um, not so much what you talk about as passing, but sort of what he, you know what he meant, what he meant to you, uh, what is you know what his life meant to you, and sort of going forward, uh, what do you think his, his life uh, should mean? Why, why, why don't we start with you, Walter, since you are our, our special guest, and make sure you put the well. All right, uh, basically, Ali, in terms of uh, several times that I was in his presence. And uh, um, he was a he was a dynamic and powerful human being. And as a uh, no, uh, uh, and I come out of a come out of a situation where uh, my dad and my three uncles were uh, were race men. So they talked about the standard of a of a of a black man. So that's, that's how I was so nurtured. Mm. And uh, Ali represented that. Uh, Ali, uh, and, and I just got off of a t another radio program in Chicago about an hour ago. Mm. And one of the things that I wanted to say, and I wanted to make certain that I said it here, mm. is that uh, everybody that is reflecting on Ali today have only done so in some abstract concept, con context. No one knew what that particular experience was in the 60s. Mm. It was nothing you just took lightly. Right, right. And unfortunately, uh, um, that's what kind of saddens me about this whole situation of Ali, is there everybody want to deal with it, you know. But there were a few individuals, and I can name some of them, when Ali didn't have a job for three and a half years, he had to eat. He had to take care of his family. And there are some black men that helped him to do that. Right. And uh, now those individuals who help him do that are kind of relegated to the second aspect of his life. And I think that someone just come in and said, Clinton's going to do the, right. what do you call the, that? The eulogy. The eulogy. Which you is know? a whole other thing. Yeah. But, how did, how did yeah, yeah, but where was he right. when Ali was, they took his crown, they took his job. Mm -hmm. So, right. that, but that's always been part of um, my, 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 my understanding of what he meant to me. He was just a great human being. I didn't know, the, uh, I didn't know that much about his soul and how all of that developed, but uh, if you were in his presence, you were, you were, you were touched. And I'm talking about in his physical presence, right. not what you see on the television. Right. But now they want to make him great. <laughs> and I want to say this, because they put Malcolm X on a stamp. Right. But that wasn't his struggle. Right. Undoubtedly, Ali may go on a, on a stamp. I'm sure. They want to put Sojourner Truth on a $20 bill. But these are black people, man, who suffered in slavery, Jim Crow, and all of that. And no one is talking about that. They want to talk about uh, the they wanna, Yeah, they want to romanticize That's all I want to say go, right yeah, now. You go on but forever, I'm sure. Let, well, yeah. let, let me say, well, we, we got time. Just rolling on, <laughs> just rolling on sports, man. But no, I want to also put Walter in context. 
Um, we can't show it because obviously it's a podcast. But in 1967, there's a very famous photo uh, of um, some of the top athletes of all time who flew into Cleveland, uh, basically at, 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 at Jim Brown's behest. Now, what I forgot to mention in the introduction, that Walter Beach III was a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns and was a member of the Cleveland championship team, uh, the only in the last championship team, professional team that has won a championship in Cleveland. He was a member of the 64 Cleveland Browns that met and beat the heavily favored Baltimore Colts in the, in the 1964 championship game. Mm -hmm. Walter Beach was a left corner, held down Walter, uh, uh, the great uh, 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 Raymond Berry, who was not so great that day. <laughs> Walter, in fact, got an interception that day, picked the pick, and it was like one of the, I was 14 at the time. In fact, that was the same year that Ali beat, um, uh, that Ali beat Lister, uh, that Ali became the heavyweight champion. So we've got this iconic picture, and uh, here is Walter Beach, a young and dapper, now Walter still looks dapper. <laughs> <laughs> and he's young at heart, no question about it, but here he is in the back with his turtleneck and all that. But we have, who do we have in this picture we've got? Yeah, that's Carl Stokes. Carl Stokes. I, at that particular time, I was the youth coordinator for the city of Cleveland, and Carl Stokes was the mayor, the first black mayor in a, in a major city. So I was on his, I was his staff. And then standing next to you on your, is Bobby your Mitchell. Left, the great Bobby the Mitchell. The great Bobby Mitchell, right. Right, who you had a lot of, I'm sure that that was probably one of the friendliest conversations you had. Yeah, he scared <laughs> you to death out there on the corner, man. Bobby, yeah. and then next to Bobby, who's uh, Sidney Williams. He was a linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. Right, and over here? That's uh, uh, McClinton. He played with the uh, Kansas, Kansas City. City Chiefs, right. And over uh, here? Willie Davis, he was Willie the Davis. Green Bay Packers. Right, now uh, John Wooten is not on this Oh, he's cut off. John Wooten. John Wooten. He played with Cleveland. Then there's the great Bill Russell, mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali, and then Jim and Brown. Jim Brown, and to uh, Jim's left oh, that's on that pitch was Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Uh, just be, and we could go back to this, but I'm always curious because I've, I've seen this picture so much. I've got, mm -hmm. I've got framed and all this. Is so, this was such a powerful image of all these powerful black athletes, the biggest one of the time, coming back to support Ali. Were you in the meeting the, the, the night before when they met with him? Yeah, we met. Yeah, I was in all the meetings. And, uh, you know, what, I, I, I don't like to really talk about the athletes of today in terms of, of what the commitment was. But none of these individuals, they came from all over the country. None of them got paid. None of them, airfare was absorbed. Right. None of the hotel that they stayed in, they did this on their own. Right. And I would probably suggest if you could get a professional athlete today to fly in to support someone like Ali, you'd have to give him some money. At least. Maybe Put him up in a hotel and pay for his airfare. Just a different time. We just, just different men at different times. That's all I can what say. What was I mean? Again, we well. I'm just. I'm, I'm curious. Obviously, I wasn't in the room at the time. I was 14 years old. But what was it like? When what was the tone of the conversation? Because you know, you you know, you got foot as athletes, professional athletes. I think there were some guys there who probably was they they were a little skeptical. Of I'm course, sure they, I'm of sure course. there were some who believed him. I mean, what what was the question? Like, was it a grilling? What what what? I, was, I, I served four years in the United States Air Force mm. as a cryptographic operator before I played professional football in college. So going to the military, I thought that was my responsibility and obligation. Bobby Mitchell was an officer 
in the United States Army. Mm. Jim Brown was a captain in the United States Army. Mm. So it was more than just a, a, a discussion about being a conscientious objector and not addressing the, the shortcomings of this country. And Ali made it very clear. He said, you know, no Vietnam has ever called me a nigger. Right. Well, I couldn't say that <laughs> like he could say it. But when I was in the United States Air Force, that's all I was most of the time. Mm. And I know you had the people have them funny discussions today about uh, the N-word. I, 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 don't I, don't, I don't support that. Because when you ask me, don't use the N-word, I mean now, never, next. That's the N-word to me. Mm. Nigger to me means nigger. Mm. So I'm not afraid of it, and I don't, re I don't squirm from it. Mm. And I don't, I don't know if this was probably on uh, one of those programs that probably beep it out. Mm. But I mean, I know what that means, and I know what that is, and I lived that for 83 years. 83 years, I've lived what that is. I breathe that air. And, uh, oh, and Muhammad Ali, made us all aware of it, that we breathe that air. Mm. Mm. There are no sanctuaries. And Joe Lewis, who was another top boxer, mm. Joe Lewis coined another phrase that a lot of young people will know. He said, you can run, but you, you can't can hide. hide. Right. So black folks can run, mm -hmm. but they can't hide. The white folks can run, and they can't hide. Well, they, they go to Jupiter. There's more shelter. Yeah, yeah, you can't run. You really can't run. But let, me, let me ask you this. I mean... We'll get back to that, but 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 Leon, we're, you know, you're sitting over here. You were born. Well, well, tell me, tell me when you first became aware of uh, Ali and what impact he had. I mean, you're, you know, uh, Walter, you're 83. Uh, we're, we're not going to want to get into age, fine. But what what impact did he have on you? And where did you grow up and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, from the very onset. I mean, I was fortunate enough to have met him. Um, I think it was in the. Um, early 90s, and um, he's, he's just a, 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 a mountain of a personality mm -hmm. in his presence. He's just a huge presence. Um, but I think his impact on myself as a person, as a man, as an entrepreneur, when I met him, he was extraordinarily encouraging. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I only had a small store at a corner from uh, Lenox and 110th Street. And... Um, Having overcome, having been such a, a, a polarizing yet significant figure in the life of America, not just African Americans, um, it was a major impact on my life for having overcome so many challenges he has and be as successful as he, as he is and has been. And... Um, you know, he has a quote that if you, you are as successful as the risk that you're willing to take. Mm. Okay, so he, I mean, who questions the, the, the American government about going into <laughs> right. the service? Who does that? <laughs> right. That's unfathomable, even now, as it was yeah. then. And his conviction was that powerful enough that he overcame that. That doesn't really happen. But I believe that he, um, the foundation he built, not just his persona, but his work, 
and his ethic and his character as a, as a man. Mm-hmm. And, um, and his, of course, his presence defined and spoke for a lot of black men who, couldn't, who didn't have the form right. that he has and still does have, mm-hmm. even in his passing was major and significant, and I'm sure it's a major contributing factor to the success that I experienced, mm-hmm. that he is one of those people that blazed the trail, and, um, and God gifted him with everything that he needed for that moment. And uh, as, um, as we were saying earlier, that it's a different time. It is a different time. And um, <coughs> people... I believe come along at a time in which they belong. Yeah, right. Right? Like for example, my son Brandon for example who was who was Brandon uh, sitting next there. He 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 wouldn't have had that experience. But from my experience having not just met Muhammad Ali, and I was honored to have met him, but my benefit that benefit that I get from watching his experience, I think my son gets that mm. because it's ingrained in me, mm. so I pass it on to the next generation. Right. So, and I think we have a responsibility to do that. And that is, I believe, the most significant thing that he has accomplished is his ability the, for his influence to be generational. Yes. Right. Right. So a hundred years from now, we'll be talking about him. Right. I mean, that's major to me, to me, the sacrifice that he that he endured mm. and the choices that he made changed the world. Not just us, not just me or my son, mm. but people in South Africa, people in every corner of the world the knew Mandela, this man's Mandela. name. Yeah. Absolutely. Mandela. And I think that that's something that, that enriches us and is significant to me as an individual and I believe myself to be successful. And I think people, when they read about him or see his photographs. I've seen this photograph and I'm honored to, to actually meet someone who's on this photograph. <laughs> I mean, really, it's like, it, it, I, I've, I've looked at this, to me, that's, that's a powerful picture. Very powerful, yeah. For someone like myself, I went to Tuskegee mm-hmm. and um, mm. one of my greatest influences in Tuskegee was Dr. Fluker, right. who, who um, when you signed up for an elective, which is American history, he didn't teach regular American history. Right. He taught, taught black history. Mm. So, uh, so that's, that influence for me being in Tuskegee and the influence of having met Muhammad Ali and, and, and seeing him and watching all his fights and seeing him overcome, that's part of who I am. Of course. And, that's his legacy. And, and sir, let me, let me just say one thing. My, my son uh, uh, went to Tuskegee. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, Arif, my son, he, he, yeah. he graduated from Tuskegee. But I want to share this qu- quick experience because you said something that, and I think it's so important when you mention your son. And you mentioned your son, and I have another son who went to the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. So we were having a discussion at the house. My son who went to the University of Michigan, we were talking about religion and we were talking about race. My son's very bright and very intelligent. And he looked at me and he said, Daddy, he said, I don't talk about race and religion. And it offended me because I'm saying, man, race and what you, Ali did is the only reason you got in the University of Michigan. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. now you don't want to talk about yeah. it. Mm. See, that's how deep it gets. Mm. We get locked in mm. to some stuff that ain't really got nothing to do with us. It's got something to do with the people on the other side. Right. 
But I mean, you went to the University of Michigan. Do you know that black men couldn't get into University of Michigan? So Dr. King and Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X start doing the stuff that they do. Mm -hmm. Now you don't want to talk about it. Right, right, right. right. And that goes, that goes back to what you were saying before about people who pretend to have to, to have praised him all along and now coming along saying he was a great man. But at the same time, because of these other people's actions, our own kids don't feel comfortable talking about race and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, one, one of the things, uh, and it's so interesting, I mean, when you talk about Clinton even, and, and when you mentioned it, I want to really start going back to the archives. Because I want to see where Clinton was in 1967, you know, down in Arkansas somewhere. I mean, you know, how in light, I mean, I, I'm, you know, and I think that one of my great mentors was Sam Lacey, the great Sam Lacey, sports writer. And one of his great things for me, he died when he was 100 years old. But I would, when I got old, I would call him about issues, particularly, and he'd say, no, no, the guys who are like now these white guys who are taking these sort of liberal roles, not who we, that's not who he was in 1955. You know, that wasn't, well, who, that's not the position he took in 1957. And people are chameleons. And so, and I think, Walter, you touched on it, like today we have all this outpouring of affection and love, and I always, it always happens when people are dead, you know? And I'm like, well, what would you think about him when he opposed, when he wasn't gonna fight in the war? What was Bill Clinton saying in 1967? And you're right now, he's gonna, he's gonna give the, the eulogy, and I guess, I, I guess we have to sort of honor the people's wishes and just sort of move on, but it's amazing. Well, have to honor and respect what people want to do. Yeah, I, I, but at absolutely. the same time, we're intelligent creatures, yeah. and we can make assessments and analysis right. about that behavior. Right. See, and that's probably part of the problem. You know, We don't want to look at the behavior and say that is what it is. Right. We want to romanticize this whole thing about Ali. He's the greatest, you know. Mm -hmm. right. But when I lived with him, and in my experience, he wasn't the greatest, mm -hmm. not by any stretch of the imagination, but to a few people. Most of the people he was not considered. They had problems still calling him Cassius Clay. That's right. He had to resist that. That's when, right. when did you see that change from people starting to glorify him, starting to give him his credit? Around what time did you see that, that well, change occur? I'll comment on that. You know. uh, black folks in America didn't start calling themselves black until John Kennedy called them black. So what we're doing, we're following the racist pattern. They dictate and they, and they confiscate not only people, but ideas, concepts, and beliefs. And that's what it, so when they flipped on that, we flip with them. <laughs> so Dr. Martin Luther King was supported in his struggle by who? Deo, 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 uh. Harry Belafonte. Wasn't invited to his funeral, but George Bush was. Mm. Now, it's just deep. Mm. What we're talking about is deep. Mm. It's, it's psychological, and, and it addresses the psychic of black folks. But here's, here's, here's a good thing about that. Here's a good thing about that. I believe that it's significant that President Clinton is delivering the eulogy, because here's why I believe that's significant. Okay. I think that it, broad, it brings in a broader demographic. Mm -hmm that it will now be more aware of Muhammad Ali as a, as a legend and who has a legacy to share. And I believe that it's a good thing that the more people know, the better it is because the wider 
is the influence of someone like that. Like a person who never had that experience at that time. This is 2016. I think that the more people of great influence who are able to endorse his present status, I think is better for all of us because everyone, more people get to know rather than having a small um, group of people participate. I think this is huge. And sure. it's huge because I watched when he passed away on when I came on television on Friday night. And I checked and every channel had a major presentation. To me, that's a big deal because that people are watching it who probably never even thought about Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And I think that's an aspect of it that we should be thankful for. Uh, my guest, my guest are uh, Walter Beach III, uh, Leon Ellis, the uh, owner of and host, our host here at Chocolat in Harlem, USA, on the Frederick Douglass Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And of course, my co-host, Jamal Murphy. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to do a little more, Ali. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Cleveland. You know, well, we'll talk about, well, we'll talk about a lot of stuff. But uh, I, was, I was joking with Brandon about uh, the Cleveland College. You guys won the last championship uh, that Cleveland has ever had in professional sports, I mean, since 64. And based on the first two games of the NBA playoffs, it's, you guys are in a pretty good position. Oh, yeah, it's going to still be the only two. But we'll be back to talk about let's that. Not, let's not well endorse as, that. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll be back in a couple, a couple of seconds. Yes, Walter Beach III, uh, Leon Ellis, Jamal Murphy. And I, I want to acknowledge a few people in the back. You guys have been very in the, and patiently back there. Just some friends of mine who, who uh, came to Chocolate. I told them that we're doing our, our, our Monday podcast live at Chocolate. So uh, my friend uh, Joe Morgan, Joe Morgan came. So Joe, how you doing? And uh, Joe brought his uh, friend Morgan, who's your, your niece. Oh, his sister. I'm sorry, uh, Fran Morgan, his sister, and also brought uh, Jordan Harvey, uh, Jordan Harvey Morgan, Jordan Harvey Morgan, who I just learned is going to be interning at the New York Times, right, at, at the technology department. So that's very good. Congratulations. That's going to be an eye-opening experience. <laughs> and, uh, and also, we've got Greg Walker uh, over here. Greg, how are you doing? Uh, you know, everything is... He's a tremendous comedian, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a great comedian. Yeah. And once we, we we're going to have another, we're going to get a, 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 a box over here. We're going to have eight microphones, so we can have like, <laughs> everybody. And I'd like to acknowledge um, our, um, our, technical, our technical people uh, over here. Uh, we got them. I just forgot his name. Uh, Kevin. Kevin is our sound guy. Kevin, great job. You know? uh, and uh, Michael over there. Uh, proud graduates or graduates to be of Brooklyn College, and we've been working together for a while. So, want to welcome everybody. Anyway, listen. Um, uh, this thing, uh, Walter, you were talking about um, uh, uh, um, Ali. You know, I was, I was, you know, Ali is a reason I got into journalism. Uh, Muhammad Ali is a reason I decided to get into journalism. I was 14 years old, and of course, you know, you know, he beats listening and that kind of stuff. And I remember. Um, I was living in Phoenix, Illinois at the time. 
you know, a little hamlet outside of Chicago. It was like Mississippi and Chicago. Phoenix, Illinois. It was February, I think, right? So my father, of course, my father, uh, God bless his soul, loved Joe Lewis. I mean, he just loved Joe Lewis. The sun rose and set with Joe Lewis. As a matter of fact, when I sent him the first manuscript of my book, 40 Meters Out of Slave, he called me and said, where's Joe Lewis? <laughs> where's Joe Lewis? <laughs> anyway, so they believed in Joe Lewis. So, so, um, so just before we had listened to it on radio, and so just before the fight came on, my father put on his overcoat. So his heavy coat is getting ready to walk out to the backyard. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to catch Clay. <laughs> yeah, the Jill thinking was that Clay was going to get knocked out. And so he said, he's going to go out to the backyard <laughs> and catch Clay. And it took me, took me like about a couple of, I said, what? That's, oh, he said, so of course, obviously, it didn't happen that way. My father respected him. You know, uh, but, but when I said I, I came into journalism, I noticed that in all the press conferences leading up to the fight, and other, all the people were white. All the people asking them questions were white. Every time you look at a press conference, always a white guy. And, and uh, Cassius, what do you think? It's all these white people. Then when you saw the fight at ringside, there's nothing but white people. White, you know, white. Uh, the photographers were white. The guys at ringside were white. And then when people were trying to interpret Ali, you know, they, well, you know, this is what Colleague Cassius got. You know, even in 14, I said, well, wait a minute. That's not what I think. You know, so I said, you know what? When I, I want to be one of the appraisers. You know, I want to be grow up to be not just a reporter. I want to be one of the people that tells you, well, this is what the shit means. You know, mm -hmm. like, no, this is, this is what it means. Right. And, you know. I would respond to that. I, I would respond to it, and this is just mm. directed back at, at Leon, mm. and I appreciate the position he is talking about, mm. uh, uh, the actual exposure. Mm. However, however, there there may be greater exposure, but one of the subtle aspects of it, and this is uh, Neely Fuller, mm. and I'm, I'm going to quote Neely Fuller. Neely Fuller said, if you don't understand white supremacy and racism and how it works, Everything else you understand will only confuse you, <laughs> right. all right? So the follow-up on that is that that looks like something to do for exposure. But it also says that this is, has to, this is who must, a, must validate this experience. Right. See, on a, on a whole nother level, it's saying this is who will validate this experience. President Clinton, now y'all all get on board. That's the only, that's, the, that's just my, my perception of it. And there, mm -hmm. there are other perceptions of it. But racism is tolerant when it's helpless. Mm -hmm. And in this situation, it's helpless. Ali made, it all, made all of them helpless. But they never wanted to acknowledge that helplessness. Mm -hmm. And when I was, when, when, in, in, in that period of time that I'm experiencing, and, 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 I, and I just wanted you to say one thing because I want, you to understand this, and this is basically what I what I want to say because this is who I am, and I, and I just want to say, and 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 I respect all human beings. This is Walter Beach, yeah, by the way. But this this is me, as an African black man. My hypocrisy manifests as silent rage. I was nine years old, man. My mother had to put a dress on me, get me out of Mounds, Illinois, so I wouldn't be lynched. I was nine years old. I was 32 years old playing professional football with the Cleveland Browns, and the owner told me I couldn't read a book. See, that's my experience. So my experience is different than these young guys' experience, and I appreciate their experience, but I cannot be silent around this stuff 
because I breathe it and feel it. So to me, it's always impressed and pressing me. But to someone else like my son, and I was telling you like my mm -hmm. son, who grew up in Shaker Heights in uh, Cleveland because I was playing and he lived in a nice house and had the swimming pool. Race didn't mean nothing to him. Mm. It mean mm. nothing to him. Mm. But it meant everything to me. So when I look at my son and you look at me, based on our experiences, you get two different aspects of it. Mm. And, and, and out of that becomes that hypocrisy. Mm. See, so I'm a hypocrite often. So I'm a hypocrite because sometimes I don't challenge that system. That's hypocritical. And for people who understand psychology and psychiatrists, it's schizophrenic behavior. So often black people manifest schizophrenic behavior. Mm. You drinking Coca-Cola, but you tell me you love Pepsi. Isn't it, isn't it also survival a little bit? Right. It's part of the same thing. It's part of the same thing. And that's what, that's what, that's what we have to acknowledge and it's all right to be like my son mm -hmm. but it's also all right to be like me right. or be like Ali mm -hmm. so that's that's what this particular system has created all of this is the offspring <laughs> let, let me ask you as well I mean I want to get back to something you said because uh, I want to be clear we we're talking about Clinton speaking and I think it's this is a good healthy debate uh, what how do you feel about how do you feel Walter about about Clinton speak. I think you bring up a great point about about what that means and the, the larger visibility. What, what do you think? What do you think about him speaking? Like I said, I, I, I see it as um, it angers me. Mm -hmm. So that I tell you why it angers me, and it's got something to do with what you was talking about. You know where. Where were you when this was going on? Mm -hmm. And you have to understand where is the sincerity in, 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 in where is the sincerity of that? Mm -hmm. Look, there's a gentleman they call Larry Holmes. There's a gentleman they call Jim Brown. There's a gentleman they call Will Chamberlain, not Chamberlain, uh, uh, Russell. Mm -hmm. I just told you all about Harry Belafonte. Mm -hmm. They didn't even allow him in King's funeral. Because they had to have that other individual who was the president there. But Harry Belafonte wasn't there. But that is part of what I'm saying we suffer from. So there's a consequence of slavery. It's a consequence of racism. Things change people psychically. Because you, 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 the incubation is different. There's a different incubation period. So that, so, so it, 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 my response would be, how dare you mm. come here to eulogize? How dare mm. you get it? See, the, the, the whole thing, man, the whole, and I, I, I was going to go on to something about this Trump thing, but people don't understand how deep well, that is. Well, at least, at least they're not so, asking him to yeah, eulogize it. Well, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that doesn't surprise that would, that me. That would just shut everything down. Yeah, that, it wouldn't surprise me, man. It's a, no, because, you know what, you're right, I mean. It wouldn't surprise well, me they, either. I mean, they, I, I, it, they it, did. They did go and get you know some, some try to get a response from Trump, and Trump praised Ali. So I mean, it just shows you that in one breath, you know, someone, you know, every all of a sudden everybody loves Ali and loves what he stood for. And we know that's nonsense. Because what he did 
he spoke to the truth on this universe and on this planet. He said, man, ain't none of this stuff y'all doing right. Because we all human beings. We all creatures of God. And if you violate that principle, you may get away with it for a while. But he said, no, it's going to clear up. It's going to clear up. Because that's the, that's, the, you know, that's the reality of it, man. We just seen, and then I don't want to be preaching on it, but we just seen some people in this country endorse an individual. Why? Because the presidency in the United States of America is no longer the commander-in-chief. Hail to the chief, they don't play no more like they used to play it. Because an individual in Congress called the President of the United States a liar. And this country accepted that. And when you accept that, an individual who's one of the brightest human beings that went through that university, if Obama had spit on the streets, man, you would have known it. That's how pure he is. And that's how intelligent he is. Now we want a cat that ain't even intelligent. Because they violated the presidency. So we'll have anybody be a president now. <laughs> it used to be if you didn't graduate from one of them universities and then what in Phi Beta Kappa, you couldn't even run for president. But now anybody can run for president. Mm -hmm. Just sell some property. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm I, just, I, you know, like I, I said, but, and that's why I said in this thing, man, sometimes. Um, and my wife, she tries to control it, that the rage in me, sometimes I just have to express it. Uh, that's why we had you on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just, but, but just, you, just, you guys explain where the wine is. <laughs> Listen, but, but before, we just have a few minutes, uh, a few minutes uh, left. And, um, you know, there the, are the, the, the couple, couple things. I wrote a column in today's New York Times. In fact, it's online now. But the first line of it was that uh, Manamali was not a gentrified black man. And for some reason, that phrase, I don't know why the phrase just kept coming to me, because I was trying to think of, well, what the hell are you going to say about this guy? That everything, because first, half the stuff I've written, I mean, I've seen written, I'm just like, you know, these people don't believe this bullshit. No. You know, I mean, you have people who weren't even born. Your, your boy Zyra, I mean, I guess I'm not supposed to mention his name <laughs> on the thing, but, but you have people, you know, all of us, you see, people who weren't even born. So what the hell are you all talking about? Well, you know, with all, I said, what the, man, you weren't even fucking born. What the hell you, I mean, you're talking about shit you read, you know. What, what, or or you, saw, because, because I, in defense to that, I mean, I wasn't born. Oh, I'm sorry, Jamal. You know, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't born. I wasn't. He's my co-host, so yeah. Right, right. But I wasn't born, but I was raised on Muhammad Ali. But you're also I was, black. I'm black. I was raised on Muhammad Ali. My father was right. like a race man, as you right. say. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I've always, you know, just. You know, I've listened to tapes right. of Malcolm X, and those are the two guys, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, the two guys I wish I was around to hear and see in person. But they definitely played a huge part in my life and who I am, and I wasn't born. But, right, I, right. but I, obviously there are but all, not, kind, but there but are all you, kinds right. of different angles right. to that. But, you, but you're also not trying to get on here and act like you were there when you no, weren't. No, no, I mean, no, I wasn't there. And, and then take it to like, and this is what it means, and this is how you should act. I no, mean, that, no, no. That's, that's what galls me, when you've got... And, and, and that's why I say, well, Ali was not gentrified. You got all uh, this whole army of, of young white cats who are going to tell you more. And it's really the fault of a lot of us black who have taught our kids. They're going to tell you they're more, they know more about black folks than you do. And then take it a step further. And this is what you need to do. 
this I said no, no, I ref no, that I I absolutely refuse it. I, I you know and this Ali thing has kind of acted as sort of a springboard for, for a lot of that to for people to kind of well, come up and talk. You know, how about how about this? One of the big uh, one of the phrases that was used a lot by by white writers or commentators was he transcended race. Yeah. <laughs> and right. I've never heard that said about a white person. Right. That they, they trans you never heard you know so and so died right. he was a great white man and he transcended race right. so I've never heard right. that right. So, you know it's it's insulting right. right and that's why I went to that that's why I went to that piece because that's all I do is study mm -hmm. all I do is study and read and uh, uh, coming out of the academies Yale Law School theological seminary coming out of them academies I understand what all what some of that stuff is now in the law they call it Obeda dictum. That's what you, that's what Dave is dealing with. Just some talking. In the seminary, they call it hermeneutics. Just some interpretation of scripture. I come out of Pontiac, Michigan, and this is a, and I like this form. When I come out of Pontiac, Michigan, we call it bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we call it. Right. See, but they deal with it in a whole different whole different level, you know. But because I'm not going to allow. I have a boyfriend, a, a boyfriend of mine, when I was a kid, he wanted to be Roy Rogers. <laughs> he wanted to be Roy Rogers. And I lived in a small town in Pontiac. My father never went to the movies. Mm. And I used to ask him, I said, Daddy, why do you don't, you don't go to the movies? He said, because I ain't going to go sit in the back and in the balcony and pay the same price. So I don't go to the movies. So I'm not going to go. And what happens, we keep going to the movies. We keep wanting to see, and that aspiration, my wife helped me deal with this. Because I asked why, you know why that, she said it's aspiration, it's hope, it's the dream. We keep dreaming, we want these dreams fulfilled. We live in communities, and I know, and I'm looking at my friend back there, Carlton, who lives in a community, and he's a gentrified human being. You know what gentry means? Gentry means well-born, high-born, intelligent, educated, class. So how come our community only become gentrified when white folks move in? Well-born. That stuff is, this stuff is deep. So I don't use the term gentrified. We're not going to say Harlem was gentrified. It's always been gentrified. <laughs> Brooklyn's always been gentrified. Right. I lived in Brooklyn. I'm high-born. I'm well-bred. I got education. So, I mean, I done went off on this, and I don't know if y'all invited me to do all this. Well, we, well, we, we, we this, involved, you know, we invited but, Walter Beach III, man. But, uh, you know? but, but I, I, I mean, I, uh, but, but this, is, this is all real. This, this, I mean, this is all real, and what, what, is it, what does it mean if you get to be 83 or 60, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever. What does it mean if you can't have that accumulation of, of experiences and express them. Particularly, you know, it, it's sort of like what I see a lot of young kids, a lot of young athletes too. And like you said, with your son, I think what we haven't done is is teach our kids how to read defenses. You were a defensive back. I was a cryptographer, yeah, a cryptographer yeah. in the Air Force. Yeah. So I, I deciphered and deciphered. So we messages. without a spy? <laughs> I mean, is that you I mean, is that what did you do? I mean, I don't even know if we, we need to want to know that. But what, no, no, but that's, no, that basically crypto is breaking codes. Okay. Breaking codes. Oh, wow. So I was a code breaker. 
Wow. So, I, I mean, that's for the government. Right. For four years, I was in there. I broke code. If, they, if it came in on some paper, I had to, we had to figure out what they're saying. Right. So that, I, that, that reminds me of the, uh, we're going to take a quick break. The code, you know, in Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, yeah. when, they gave, when they gave the protagonist in, in Invisible Man the little yeah. letter yeah. to bring, uh, of introduction to bring to all the white people, yeah. and he brought it around and brought it around, and then when he opened the code, when he opened oh, the envelope yeah. finally, because he was just, he opened it, and it said, keep this, I, I don't use the N word, but he said, I'll, I'll use, he said, keep this nigga boy running. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that was the code. Yeah. Um, listen, we're going to take one quick break, and then we're going to be back just with everybody's final thoughts about <laughs> Ali, uh, eulogies, racism in the United States, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be back in just a couple seconds. Uh, we're back with uh, uh, Walter Beach III, Leon Ellis, uh, Jamal Murphy, Bill Roden, and a, a room full of supporters who will you know, maybe be staying around to drink and dine. I'm not sure. I know Leon hopes so. Uh -huh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, what did you think? I mean, that, that's another show. What do you think of gentrification? I mean, you got to kind of like it. I mean, I know with in all due respect, uh, but you got to, you know, I mean, I guess what I was thinking when I, when I thought about that, about Ali and that being gentrified, I was also thinking more of a spiritual and a soul thing because you, you know, again, if you've grown up in Harlem or you've grown up, you see all these neighborhoods, even Chicago, these neighborhoods were like all black, they're all white, you know, all around the country. They even talk about some place in Long Island where it used to be a, enclave for, for, for black folks. Now all of a sudden it's all white because people are just buying it up. And I think sometimes that also happens to our soul, the human soul too. You know, I guess in the other age you talk about selling out. But to me, the thing, and, and I guess we'll go around the panel just talk about what will be the your lingering memory of Ali. To me, I remember the last time I really had a, you know, because Parkinson is just, man, you talk about a disease, man, that Whew, I don't think there's any great disease to have, <laughs> but you know, it just they say you become a prisoner in your own body. You know, you could tell that the mind is there. You just can't but we were talking and you know, this I was in this hotel room for some reason and then admittedly said, uh, What's your what's your name? So I, I kinda knew it. I said, um, Bill Rhodes. He said, No, no, what's your real name? That's your slave name. <laughs> and so I just kinda laughed. But even then it's like he said, it's about, I'm just keeping you in check, Mr. New York Times and Mr. Whoever there you are. What's your name? And sometimes, even when I go into a Starbucks, and I say, your name, please. And I'll say X. <laughs> well, I say, I don't know. Shit, I don't know. What's your name? You know? As a young person, and as a young black person, they'll kind of get it. After you said, I said, do you really know your name? You know, that's the whole point. But anyway, so I guess my lasting thing with Ali is that he was just really, no matter, you know, the, yes, people loved him all over the world. That's great. But he was a brother. He was a black man. He would let you know that, that I'm a black man, and I'm proud of it, and I'm not for racism. And you're right. And, and what we hear now is people still dancing around that. Well, you're, 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 he transcended racism. No, how the fuck he did not. <laughs> you know? So anyway, that's, what, that's, that's one of the things I'll take away. And, and I guess they used to, I remember when Coltrane died. And people would say, hey, train lives. And when Bird died, my father would say, well, Bird lives. And that's something profound. As we lose people, your dad, your parents, they live. 
And that's the whole point of a person's life. Is basically, though, even they pass, that spirit lives. So that's that's what I say with Ali. That Ali lives. What do you think, Lane? What's your what's your? Uh, I just uh, the uh, Walsh's definition of gentrification gave me pause. And it's the first time I really heard someone truly define what the word means. And last week we 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 touched on that when. Um, Briefly, when I said that, when Harlem has always had a great demographic of well-learned, educated, successful people, and the change that's happening, we don't need that to authenticate the fact that Harlem is a vibrant, successful community, which is the reason why I was telling you why uh, I had a dream of building a chocolate, because I knew that the people were, I always knew the people were here. And so we started building it on the cusp of the change, where the change is taking place. But a place like Chocolat would, would have been successful had this change not taken place because the intelligentsia that we're looking for is always among people who are black. And so it's, uh, it befuddles me when gentrification becomes a definition of an ethnic change in the residence of a community that was originally of African-American descent. And that, that, that's, that's a concern for me. So it was great to hear him define, give clarity as to what the word really means. It really has nothing to do with color right, right, or ethnicity. And I appreciate you for, yeah. for saying that. Tulsa, Oklahoma was the ultimate city in the United States of America. The black woman. And the European man destroyed mm -hmm. it. Because what it said is, man, you don't need us. See, that's that validation. You don't need us mm -hmm. to do this. But we want to show you, and I'm talking about bomb that 280 people were killed. They destroyed mm -hmm. the city. Because we don't want you to ever think you can do this without us. Right, right. right. Mm -hmm. And the what, you know, so-called gentrification, the biggest thing I see in all these neighborhoods is police presence. Yeah. Because, because when there were no white people here, or less white people here, you know, I grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn, mm -hmm. and, you know, we needed police too. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, there's gentrification, and you see a policeman on every other block. Right, right. Because mm -hmm. they care, you know, there are certain segments of society they're trying to protect. And that's, that's what I see when I see mm -hmm. gentrification. I just see cop presence, yeah. and all of a sudden, we're going to protect the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, based on what Walsh is the definition, though, which mm -hmm. is the real definition of the word yeah. gentrification, this is not gentrification. Right, right. No, no, this not. is an economic change right. that allowed or created an environment where um, a different ethnicity with more financial resources comes in and takes over a community that um, is not as well off economically. That's yeah. pretty much what it is. It's certainly yeah. not. It's a form of, see, that, that whole concept, and this is what Ali understood because he came out of that. Mm -hmm. He came out of the nation. And the nation was a self-surviving group of people. Right. And he was one of the fruits. So uh, the guy said, man, if somebody break, your, break into your house, what do you do? I said, what do you mean what I do? He said, you call the police? I said, no, I am the police in my house. I don't call no police. I'm the police. That's what the nation was. That's what the fruit of Islam is. He said, we the police. We police our, our community. But what you want to do when you integrate that was never an expectation. What did you expect? 
when you integrate? What did you expect? And what you're talking about and, and, that, in, and, that, and that gentrification and integration, saving fish from drowning. You see the metaphor? We're going to save y'all from ground, drowning because we're going to come in and do it. Well, that's a displacement, isn't it? Yes, it is a displacement. It's a major displacement. It's ma and, what oh, right. and what we have right. to con continue to do is destroy. And, and, and like I said, and I'm saying that, I don't hate white people. I don't hate white people. But I do love black people. Right. And if they're being violated, I'm going to speak out on them. But I don't hate nobody on the planet. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's not part of who I am. My whole thing is about love and justice. So I don't get into a situation trying to make those kind of distinctions. Because if I'm going to be just, no matter what color you are, why? Because I'm operating on justice. No matter what sex you are. No matter what gender you are. No matter if you're transgender or not. Because why? I'm talking about justice, man. I want justice for human beings. I don't care what, they what stripe they come in or what color they come in. But if I'm seeking justice, and we're all seeking justice, then we can't overlook. We can't overlook, say, well, man, this ain't just, man. Well, here's the thing. Someone as influential as you are, in, and, and excuse me for saying this, in a small circle, Muhammad Ali, for example, is just as influential, but he has such a broader audience. And what, what you're saying and your experiences, as powerful as they are, are only as good as your influence to make it grow and enlarge. Because if you share your experiences, and I'm hearing it, my son is here, and we're all hearing it, that enhances our awareness of the importance of the responsibility we have as human beings to, to thrive off your experiences. Muhammad Ali, in his passing, lives. And he will always live, like a Bob Marley, for example, like a Dr. King, like a Mandela. These people seem to have been chosen people at a time when they were needed the most in order to create a future for a generation to succeed, su succeed on and to subsist on. You need that material. For example, my going to college, where I went to college, created a different person than the person I knew myself to be. My experiences with you today enlarges my experience and how I apply it as I move forward. And so, Muhammad Ali is experiencing the ultimate success. Mm -hmm. A thousand years from now, you will hear his name. Just like you said, Caesar in Rome, you'll say Muhammad Ali in America. Mm -hmm. To me, all the work that you put in at your time and your experiences that you lived and you shared with him, I'm benefiting from it. And my son is because you have raised the platform for someone like ourselves to live a better life, have a better experience, and have a better understanding of it. So I ask your forgiveness for people who don't get it, because people get at different stages in life oh, oh, yeah. no, based no, on no, their no. individual and, experiences. And, and, and I appreciate that yeah. so much, man. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I say, man, I was in Germany. I was in Germany when I was 25 years old, and something went down 
when I was in Germany. And you know what I said? That's what daddy told me when I was 16. But when I was 16, I didn't hear it. And the whole thing is about all of us growing and evolving and maturing. So nothing that I'm saying uh, directed toward anybody is being critical. No, I don't say that. No, no, no. I know. Just please, yeah, we got me. to grow. Please forgive me if you. No, oh no, 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 no. I understand. I'm saying meeting you, that picture, that iconic picture. Mm -hmm. I've always seen that picture, and I always wanted to know who are those people in the picture. And I want to tell you a story. When that picture came out, I was in I was in South Florida, and I looked at that picture. And there was only one person on the picture who was not wearing a suit. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, damn, who is that person in that picture? <laughs> I just got out of a plane maybe a couple of hours ago. And here is a revelation to me that you, that, that you are the person. I think that's amazing. And I'm saying to you, that is the power of life. Because I've always wanted to know who that person was. And to tell me why you weren't wearing a suit. <laughs> Well, the reason that I wanted <laughs> no, I was like I said, I was I was the I was I was Carl Stokes' youth coordinator. Right, right. And Carl Stokes and uh, uh, staff, we decided to go to the West Side, the West Side of Cle the West Side of Cleveland, where mm -hmm. white folks mm -hmm. live. And Carl wanted to build some what they call drop-in centers for young people to drop in and uh, and do that. So he had put me, uh, uh, he, had, he had charged me to go to the west side. Last night you had the meeting mm -hmm, with, mm -hmm. with uh, Muhammad mm -hmm, Ali. Mm -hmm. This morning we want you to go to the west side and, 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 and develop, meet some white folks mm -hmm. and bring in some, uh, and develop mm -hmm. the, the uh, mm -hmm. drop-in centers. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't going over there in a suit. Got it, got so it. I, got so it, got I went it. over there, mm -hmm. you know, casual, and uh, we, did, we did what we have to do, and then I got back for for the, uh, the ultimate picture mm -hmm. and the rest of the discussion. The discussion was five hours long. It was five hours that Muhammad Ali mm -hmm. spoke to us about where he was coming from and what the nation was about and what he was about. So uh, again, he was wrestling with what we all wrestle with. He's trying to validate himself. He's got to say, man, I'm real about this. And in that, this is the final point that I'll make. It's the last thing that's ever been said to me by Muhammad Ali, and he said one thing to me. He said, man, just be a black man. That's all he said. He said, just be a black man. You got to do nothing else. Just be a black man. Just be who you are. That's right, just be who you are. So just be, ain't all that other stuff, you know, it, it really doesn't, just be a black man. Yeah. And okay. that's why I've given this to Bill. So you're an uh, influencer. No, because he influenced he, me. He, yeah, with but, my, you, like but, myself. but you in your own right, you're an influencer. And I'm saying to you how you influenced me because I so wanted to know who that person was. Mm -hmm. And at some point I would have called Bill and said, who is that person? And I walk in my restaurant and I you're said, sitting you know, you don't have to ask me. I'll bring him to, <laughs> I'll bring him to the restaurant. <laughs> hey, listen, um, uh, my guest has been, we could go on for another hour. And maybe we will, but not this hour. <laughs> listen, my, my, my guest has been the great Walter Beach III. Uh, you know, uh, writer extraordinary. You got a book too. You have a, you have a book that's out. Yeah, we'll tell uh, yeah, you. I got a book called uh, uh, "Consider This," and my other book uh, is in print now. It's called "The Sting of the Whip." Let's know where we can purchase that. No, no, because it's in print now. Okay. But but I but, but I have uh, I have uh, consider this. I'll get a copy to you. I got some in the car. Yeah. 
but that, that, that was, that's not what I come up here to, to do. And Bill and I are going to be on a panel in, uh, in D.C. about the film, the, about the civil rights movement in the uh, in 60s, uh, uh, what, in July? Yeah, July, uh, coming up July, uh, damn, coming up soon. 14th. 14th, 14th. 14th. yeah, July. July. 14th. Uh, so we'll do something. Then, of course, uh, so Walter, thank you. Uh, you're always welcome. We we're going to be recording weekly, come every week. Uh, Leon, thank you again. My pleasure, always. Great hospitality and uh, great play, great conversation, man. Oh, absolutely. And of course, Jamal, you know, the great Jamal Murphy, thank you very much. You know, for. Yeah, let me, this is one of the reasons why this place is here for experiences like this. When we conceptualized Shukla, it wasn't just for a place to have great food and great drink. Mm -hmm. Just like we own Mocha across the street, and I, I encourage every Tuesday we have poetry. Mm -hmm. Poetry doesn't really make money for us. Of course. But you know what it does? It gives a voice. And this is my influence from where I went to college, because I knew the importance of giving a voice. Somebody hears it. Right. You may not know it. Just right. like you didn't know I saw that picture. No. But someone in the audience hears it, and it changes the trajectory of their life or who they are. And this is what we're doing here right now. Right, that's right. We're going to end by saying one thing. I'm going to say one thing, and I want everybody to respond. Now, if you don't know this, this negates your whole blackness. I'm going to say one phrase. <laughs> wow. I'm going to say one phrase, and I want everybody to answer, okay? Float like a butterfly. Sting, sting like, like a bee. bee. Rumble, young man. Rumble. Rumble. Hey, thank you, everybody. We'll be uh, back. Muhammad Ali, God bless you. God bless you. And, God bless. Uh, We'll be back next week for more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.